circle, yes, we rotate. 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high. All right, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone Territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. This week on Full Circle, we dip our toes into politics with an update on some state bills that were signed this year before the closing of the 2022 legislative session. We'll also get an update on some local politics out in the East Contra Costa city of Antioch, including some voices from a rent control policy signing celebration held earlier this week, as well as excerpts from an Antioch City Council District 1 debate. And we'll get an update on a very special community event to honor a Bay Area resident who was killed at the Concord BART station in 1985 in what is believed by many to be a racist, homophobic attack. All that and some great music tonight on Full Circle. I am your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok territory here. Keep it locked to KPFA. Again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I'm your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin. And with the midterm elections fast approaching and the recent closing of the 2022 legislative session, we thought we would dip our toes into the political waters, as we say, this week. First up, yes, on September 1st, the 2022 California State Legislative Session came to a close, winding up as usual with a flurry of activity. If you blinked, you may have missed some important changes coming your way. Here is First Voice Apprentice Producer Nomi Windmaker highlighting some of the bills signed into law this year, along with some voter registration information. Hello, this is Nomi Windmaker from the First Voice Apprentice Program, reporting on some deadlines for upcoming elections and highlighting a few significant bills that passed in California in 2022. California's midterm election is on November 8th and the ballots are out. To find out if you're registered to vote, go to registertovote.ca.gov. You'll need your California driver's license or the last four digits of your social security number to check your status. Voters must register no later than 15 days before an election. Registration for the November 8th election must be postmarked or submitted online on or before October 24. If you miss this deadline, you can still cast a ballot. You'll have to visit a county elections office or a voting center to complete a conditional voter registration form. You can do this up until election day. This will allow you to cast a ballot which will count after verification by county election officials. 
As the 2022 legislative season came to a close, Governor Gavin Newsom signed numerous bills into law, from abortion rights, to worker rights, to Native American rights, to trans rights. These laws will impact the lives of people across the state. We have highlighted some we thought were important. Labor and worker rights. AB 257 will give stronger bargaining rights to more than a half a million fast food workers across the state. AB 2183 will allow farm workers to vote to unionize by mail rather than just in person. This will help them exercise their right to vote in unions without intimidation or fear of retaliation. Native Americans, AB 2022, this bill will end the racist and sexist term squaw from being used on all geographic features and place names in California. AB 1314 establishes a statewide emergency alert system for missing Native people. Housing. AB 2011 and its companion SB 6 will make huge inroads in dealing with California's affordable housing shortage. AB 2592 will require the state's Department of General Services to make a plan to turn underutilized state office buildings into affordable housing. Trans Rights, SB 107, protects out-of-state transgender children and their families from civil and criminal penalties when seeking gender-affirming care. Abortion. AB 1666 will shield doctors and patients who receive or provide an abortion in California from lawsuits in other states. SB 245 will remove cost barriers to abortion by requiring all state licensed health care service plans to cover abortion services without a co-payment, deductible, or any type of cost sharing. Lawmakers also approved tens of millions of dollars for community abortion clinics, funding to recruit and train additional providers, and grants for low-income patients seeking care. Gun reforms. AB 2571 prohibits the gun industry from marketing firearm-related products to minors. AB 2870 strengthens the state's gun violence restraining order law, also known as the Red Flag Law. COVID, AB 2098 would make it easier for the Medical Board of California to punish doctors who deliberately spread false information about COVID-19 vaccines and treatments. And finally, the climate. Over 40 aggressive bills were passed representing the most significant action on the climate crisis in California's history. With goals to reduce pollution by 60%, protect communities from oil drilling, and transition the state to clean energy. AB 1279 codifies the statewide carbon neutrality goal to dramatically reduce climate pollution as soon as possible and establishes an 85% emissions reduction target. SB 1137 will protect communities from the harmful impacts of the oil industry by requiring 3,200 feet of setbacks around new oil and gas wells. And SB 1020 puts California on track to a 100% clean electric grid with targets set at 90% by 2035, 95% by 2040, and 100% by 2045. This is Nomi Windmaker from the First Voice Apprentice Program reporting for Full Circle at KPFA. I have a dream.
One day, this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created. One day on the red hills of Georgia. Right, welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. I am Free Will and Franklin, and you just heard One Day by Baker Matt. That was the I Have a Dream remix. And before the music break, we heard a recap and an update on some recent victories and some bills that were signed into law this past legislative session. Thank you, Nomi Windmaker. And Nomi pulled that information from the Cal Matters website and Governor Gavin Newsom's website. We will post links to that information on our website just after the show, and that's kpfaapprentice.org. And speaking of victories and bills being signed, let's travel east on the Bay Area map out to the Delta City of Antioch in East Contra Costa County. For nearly two years, tenants of Delta Pines, Delta View, and Casablanca Apartments and their supporters have been fighting for rent control in Antioch and other housing rights. The fight was led by community organizations, East County Regional Group, ACE, First Five Contra Costa, and Monument Impact. These tenants and organizers have brought their stories of rent increases of up to 30% directly to the city council. At times, filling the public comments for hours with their personal stories of what life is like renting in Antioch. Well, their hard work was rewarded as the Antioch City Council recently, in a 3-2 to two vote, passed the strongest rent control policy in Contra Costa County. The policy was signed in a public ceremony attended by city leaders and the people who fought for it these last two years. The ceremony was held at the entrance to the Casablanca Apartments, the site of past housing rights protest. Here are some of the highlights from the event. It starts off with MC Rhea Laughlin of First Five Contra Costa. Right? Yeah. For two years, we have rallied 
children and residents have a safe and affordable place to call home. Yes. But today, we're not worried about another corporate landlord giving a five or $600 rent increase. We're not worried about children losing their homes because the rent is too high. We're not worried about Casablanca or Delta Pines community being torn apart because of another rent hike. Because today we celebrate that Antioch residents have citywide rent control. And not just any rent control. You have the strongest rent stabilization in the county and one of the strongest in the Bay. Because of this policy, families will have relief. Rents will be in line with wages. Communities will stay intact and Antioch can stay diverse and strong. This happened because of you. It was your courage, strength, and perseverance for why we're here today. You never gave up. You insisted and proved that when we come together, tenants, organizers, and city council leaders, when we put children first and people before profits, we can win. So give it up for yourselves, for, make some noise for this monumental policy. Regional group, 
and ACE, Monument Impact, EBASE, and many other advocacy for the advocacy and, and never give up until the end and had a stronger rent control in this county. We also thank the three city council member, Mayor Topper, Tamisha Torres Walker, and Monica Wilson for the leadership and supporting the community by pressing this policy. Thank you so much, council. Thank you, Mayor. This is a true victory and it's for all of us together. Together we complete this. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. It is now my pleasure to welcome city council leader. Please give it up for council member Monica Wilson. Thank you guys for having me to, here today. It'd be very foolish for me of me to take credit for this when this was all the work, the hard work of people like you, people in the community, people coming to me and saying, Monica, I have a problem. There's a situation going on here and educating me and making sure that we push for good policy. This was a long time coming and I saw the hard work. You guys coming to council meeting, you guys rallying, not only rallying on behalf of your own apartment, but for other apartment buildings. Housing is a human right. And we fought, we on council, myself along with council member Torres Walker and Mayor Thorpe, fought very, very hard for this day to happen. And this is a great moment. It's a very historic moment. However, there's so much more we need to do. Just cause, anti-harassment, we need to push for that. And we need to push for more rights and equality throughout our city. The majority on the council believes in listening to all the voices in our city. Not just a select few. Those of us who come out here and walk with you. Those of us who sit down and listen to you and hear your stories and hear your pains and hear your trials and tribulations and want to be here to help. Remember that. Remember who was here that helped you guys. Remember who is out there saying things that sounds like it's helping you, but it's not really helping you, not really here. So the three of us are going to continue that hard work. We're going to keep working hard for you on housing rights, for equal rights, for access to healthy, clean water, to access to clean, safe communities. We are gonna stay here and fight very, very hard. I'm speaking from my heart today. So this was a great victory, and I was more than happy to help fight this battle with you guys, so thank you. I'm going to be here to fight for you no matter what. <laughs> and you all mean so much to me. You don't understand how much you all mean to me and your support and your guidance and your hard work, your inspiration to me. So thank you so much. I'd like to ask you now to please help me welcome a council leader who has been in this fight since day one, holding it down for District 1 residents. Please help me welcome council member Tamisha Torres-Walker. Oh man, you know, there was supposed to be more people here today, but because we let politics disrupt progress and don't allow people to celebrate change, we short a couple folks. And so I wanna say to those who couldn't be here today that we appreciate your strength. We appreciate you being on the front lines. We appreciate you being shameless in your pursuit for justice. And we know you here with us in spirit. 
Um, I got some notes because people tell me that I should have them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm Tamisha Torres Walker, um, community organizer and activist and city councilwoman for Antioch District 1, this district right here. Um, I want to say, you know, the arc of moral justice is not bend on its own. It takes us to do it. It takes courage and it takes tenacity. It doesn't happen overnight. Justice is often deferred and delayed, but it comes when we come together and fight for what we know is right. When I reflected today before I came here, you know, what I got back was that it's time to continue to be bold, to be shameless, and to be brazen in our pursuit for justice and equity here in the city of Antioch. I don't just stand here as a councilwoman and a new homeowner. I was homeless for many years as a young person. I know what it's like to sleep in abandoned buildings and in parks. I know what it is like to eat leftovers that people do not want. I know what it's like to sleep in a car in the dead of winter with no windows and when nobody will open the door. I know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck as our city governments continue to worry about their budgets while we worry about how we gonna pay our rent and feed our children while they use our tax dollars to not support us. You know, I think about 2020 and, pe and there, a lot of people are right. In 2020, people did say enough is enough. Enough with not listening to the community and the needs of renters. Enough with your silence on violence. Enough with lackluster leadership that doesn't have a backbone to get out in the community and talk to people and roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty. This work is not clean work. This is hard work. This is hard work. This is moral work. And you all did this work. You did this. You know, the truth doesn't need support because it is what it is. There are people in this city government who care today who didn't care not just in 2020, not just during the pandemic, but pre-pandemic. We've been here and we've watched the decline of this city and not, not because of us, but due to the lack of investment in our communities and in our families, and you're right, enough is enough. You know, the other thing I wanna say lastly is that voting does have consequences. And the consequences of voting here in the city of Antioch has, re has equal to change. Voting has the consequence of change. And that is what we all need to be thinking about today, is the consequence of change. The change is constant, change is forever, and we all wanna be a part of that change, right? People have said that there is more work to do, and they are right. There is more work to do. But we need each other to do that work. And no matter what happens in November, we, us, me, you, we are all on the front lines in this community for justice. And no matter who sits in those seats in November, we are going to make sure that they know that we are out here, we are not going anywhere, we demand justice, we demand just cause for eviction, we demand tenant protections, we demand investments in reducing violence, we demand
bad investments in people to get them housed and off the streets. We demand investment in our families and our communities. I'm here with you today, tomorrow, and until justice comes. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Torres Walker, for your leadership and for fighting for our communities. That's no money if you're from where I'm from. Funny, I just want some of your son. Dark clouds seem to follow me. Alcohol that my pop swallow bottle me. No apology, I walk with a bold on my shoulder. It's a cold war. I'm a colder soldier. Hold the same fight that made Martin Luther the king. I ain't using it for the right thing. In between lean and the fiends, hustle and the schemes. I put together pieces of a dream. I still have one. I got a dream. in the mirror images of me getting much clearer dear self i wrote a letter just to better my soul if i don't express it then forever i hold inside i'm from a side where we gotta control rap music and the hood play the fatherly role my story like yours yo gotta be told trying to make it from a gangster to a golly role red scrolls of stone slaves and jewish people in cold cage hate has no color or age flip the page now my race became freedom right dreams in the dark they fall but i can see them i believe in heaven more than hell blessings more than jail in the ghetto let love prevail with a story to tell my eyes see the glory and well the world waiting for me to yell i have a dream i got a dream All right, you're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA. Online worldwide all the time at kpfa.org.
O-R-G. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. You just heard Common with his song, I Have a Dream. And that featured Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas. Before that, you heard some voices from the Rent Control Celebration held in Antioch this past Tuesday. And I just want to send a big congratulations to all those that fought so hard for that. As you know, I have been following this story for some time, and it's good to see this outcome. Big shout out to East County Regional Group, First Five Contra Costa, Monument Impact, and ACE, the Alliance of Californians for Community Empowerment. Good job, everyone. Congratulations. Now, keeping it in Antioch, this past October 5th, there was a candidates forum for North Antioch City Council District 1. And although all three candidates running for District 1 were invited, incumbent Tamisha Torres-Walker and former City Councilwomen Joy Motts and Diane Gibson-Gray, only Joy Motts and Tamisha Torres-Walker appeared on stage. The debate was moderated by Pastor Dr. Lamont Francis. Up next, check out these excerpts from the debate and stick around. After the politics, we'll get some information about a memorial walk for Timothy Charles Lee, a young man that was lynched at the Concord BART station in 1985. Stay tuned. Ms. Motts, on your opinion, what are the barriers to public safety and what are your plans to improve public safety here in District 1? Well, I think it's important to realize that people do not feel safe in a community when their basic needs are not being met. Tamisha has talked about this many times, access to health care, food, a good paying job. You know, they all contribute to families' well-being, and, and we must find ways to support agencies in our community with access to these resources. But at the highest level, public safety involves protecting the public safeguarding people from crimes, disaster, and the dangers and threats that are in our, unfortunately in our world today have to be a priority. In Antioch for years now, we have served our community, um, for years now we haven't served our community very well. Our police department has been in a yo-yo state of rebuilding and, and understaffed since the Great Recession, and we are, we are currently decisively understaffed. You know, our families sometimes are waiting over 20 minutes if somebody's breaking into their house. An intruder on our school campuses, the police are not there to help. And our businesses are being vandalized and threatened. Our residents must feel safe and be safe. The key to this is really building back our police department. And we can do that while still holding our police to the highest ethical standards. We can support officers that are doing their job we can provide them with the training they need and the skills they need to ensure we protect our residents' civil rights. While they are protecting our community, getting this right and rebuilding our police department needs to be, again, one of our highest priorities. Thank you so much. Thank you. Councilwoman Walker, in your opinion, what are the barriers to public safety? Um, and what are your plans to improve public safety here in District 1? So I think that, you know, policing is a tool for public safety. It is not the only tool we have in our toolbox. Most communities who have had extreme investment in their infrastructure, resources, access to healthy food, and all of, the, all of those things, quality education, youth programs, programs for young people and families to have access to, all contribute 
to public safety in the community. What I've been able to do with the support of my colleagues on the council is establish this new Department of Public Safety and Community Resources because we often address harm in our community or crime or public safety with policing rather than resources. We rather pick at the branches than get to the root cause of crime in our community. And so right now, my commitment is to expanding this department, addressing gun violence in our community specifically, while making sure that we engage with residents around what they feel like makes their community safe. When I ran in 2020 and knocked on doors in the Sycamore Corridor specifically, the police department was at, I believe, 120, 121. And residents were saying, it don't matter how many police we have if we still feel unsafe in our community. And so my goal is to work with community to figure out what should public safety look like and not make those determinations. And that is what happened with this department. If you look at the data, crime, especially part one crime in this city, has been on the decline since 2012. It feels like crime is up in some communities because their issues have not been addressed for years. And so that's what I'm here to do. I want to support the police department, but I do know since I've been in office, we've spent over $3 million in settlements due to use of force and other crimes committed by our police department, and we need accountability now. Thank you. Would you like to respond, uh, Ms. Montz? Sure. You would have a minute. Go ahead. Listen, I think we need to do both. I mean, everything that Tamisha's talking about as far as public services, supporting education, keeping our, our kids engaged and in school, post-graduation efforts, training, good jobs, um, access to health care, all of these are super important. All of this, our, our residents deserve all of that. But at the same time, it is critical that we have accountability. And when we have a decimated police force like we have right now, and the response times are as long as they are, it's just, it's impossible for this community to feel safe. If you talk to Dr. Steve Ford, he will tell you they are completely understaffed right now. I just went to listen to him speak a little bit over at Dairy Queen in a District 1 talk, and you know he'll be the first one to tell you that our, our, our police department is completely understaffed. We've gotta to try to build that back up. We need to hold them accountable. I think there's officers on this force that don't want anything to do with a bad police officer in their department. They want to be good officers. They want to be part of the community. They want to be respected. Thank you, thank you, thank you. At this time, Councilwoman Walker, would you like to respond? You yeah, have one minute. I guess what I would say is I'd rather have a police department that's understaffed and rebuilding than a police department that doesn't respect citizens and victims. When you have a police department that decides who's a victim and who's not, and what community gets policing services and what doesn't, that doesn't work. And so I'm, I'm glad the police department is being rebuilt and reconstructed under the leadership of a chief who understands community policing strategies and that you have to work with people and be in the community to understand what folks need. That is what's most important. Community policing, right, and not <laughs> being in communities where you're over-policing or under-policing because that is harmful either way you split the baby. And so I don't, you know, I'm not against rebuilding our police department. We definitely need to do that. But what I'm against is rebuilding it with the same people that cause harm to the community in the first place. Thank you.
Councilwoman Walker, knowing mental health is connected to homelessness, substance abuse, and community vitality. What plans do you have to promote mental health well-being in District 1? Councilwoman Walker. Yeah, I know right now the council um, has voted to establish a non-police mental health crisis response team. To not, not just to address the needs of people with mental health issues in a crisis, but people with substance dependency challenges. One of the disparities that I saw through the county programs is that if you don't have a clear mental health diagnosis, then you will not get the resources. Um, and if you and if you have been seen to have substance dependency challenges, they will discount it as a mental health crisis. And we all know that substance use is just a symptom of a greater issue. Most people are self-medicating because they have not been diagnosed and they have not gotten the mental health resources that they need. And so I think we definitely need to partner with the county the state and our federal leaders to make sure we pull resources down to Antioch to address those needs, invest deeply in this crisis response team, as well as do a lot of public education around how do we address or approach a resident that is having a mental health crisis. Because most people don't know what to do. Most people don't know how to help and they need somebody to call. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. This month, knowing mental health is connected to homelessness, substance abuse, and community vitality. What plans do you have to promote mental health well-being in District 1? Well, I think we can all remember there were days long, long time ago when our federal government and our state actually provided mental health services to our communities. And not only that, but homeless services and a whole bunch of other services. And slowly but surely, those have all gone away for decades now. And counties are supposed to be taking on this responsibility, but as we all know, that's not working. And especially for East County, the majority of the money goes to West County and the money does not make it out to East County and it's just been a tragedy. I mean, this has complicated a lot of our problems. For people with mental health issues, for drug addiction, it can be 90 days before they can get into a program. That is just way too long, especially for someone who's made the choice to finally get off drugs. They need help now. And the fact that we're unable to provide those services for us is just really a, a tragedy and just really a failure of our system in really providing for these kind of services. And we see this playing out on our streets every single day with our homeless. So Providing mental health services at a younger age, helping, you know, or building a relationship with our schools to support mental health with our students, finding ways to support mental health for our people that are living on the streets, getting them the services they need, um, and then really demanding from the county the kind of help we need to be able to support these programs in Antioch has just got to be critical. Thank you so much. Right. Would you like to respond? Yes, I actually okay. would. Um, Beings that I came from West County, I will definitely let you know, the reason why we have robust resources is because we have elected leaders that fight for that every day. We also have a board of supervisor that advocates for us and fights for that every day. And East Contra Costa, especially Antioch, shares two supervisors who hasn't fought for this community in years to have these resources. 
What I will also say is what West County really got was a $10 million jail expansion to lock people with mental health issues up rather than provide them resources. The state program supported by Governor Newsom, as well as the HIP program at the county level, as well as the Antioch's old COCO lead program, all require people with mental health issues to have contact with the criminal legal system before they could receive services. I would say we need to provide services before people come into contact with the criminal legal system, rather than putting them, those resources into jails and prisons at all. All right, thank you. Would you like to respond? I think only that, you know, as Antioch has grown, um, part of the reason why some of the money wasn't coming out this way, nevertheless, it, you know, once we started developing, you know, with the suburban communities started developing urban problems, you know, our supervisors should have been working and advocating for us. I think part of the problem was is we didn't have those agencies in our community that typically those resources would go to. So it's been a long time coming. Some of those agencies are starting to be more active. ECRG, First Five, there's other ACE committee advocates that are working to bring those resources over here. And we just really need to work with our legislators and our supervisors to make sure that money comes out our way. Thank you so much, Ms. Moss. All right. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM. KPFA and worldwide all the time on kpfa.org. I am your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin. Thanks for tuning in. And you just heard two short excerpts from the Antioch City Council District 1 debate. The two voices you heard were incumbent Tamisha Torres Walker and former Councilwoman Joy Motts. To hear the entire debate, you can go to the East County Regional Group Facebook page. And of course, as always, we will post a link to the full debate on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. Now we're going to take a short music break, and when we return, we're going to talk about a memorial walk for Timothy Charles Lee, a young black Native American gay man who was lynched at the Concord BART station in 1985. I was born. In a little tent mm. Like the river I've been running mm. Running ever since It's been a long Long time coming But I know Change don't come It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die. I don't know what's up there beyond the sky. It's been a Change gonna come. Oh, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. 
Right, this is Full Circle on 94.1 FM KPFA Pacifica Radio. You just heard Change Gonna Come, a cover of Sam Cooke's classic by Brian Owens and his father, a duet. Now we're going to take a moment to look back on a terrible crime that was committed here in the Bay Area. And a trigger warning here, this story consists of racist and homophobic violence that results in death. So if you want to tune out at this time, now's your chance. I'll just give you a second to do that. What we're going to talk about tonight is a local case of lynching that happened right here in the Bay Area back in 1985. And for full disclosure, the victim of the lynching, Timothy Charles Lee, was my cousin. And to give you a little history, I'm going to read you some excerpts from a protest flyer from the time Timmy was killed. Here it goes. The title on the top of the flyer in large, bold print next to a picture of Timmy reads, Protest Racist Sexist Anti-Gay Attacks Stop KKK Terror. Timothy Lee, a 23-year-old black Native American gay man, was found dead, hung from a tree near the Concord BART station on Saturday, November 2nd, 1985. His body was found just two miles from the place where Tony Lamar Hall and Jeffrey Charles Miller, two young black men, were stabbed on the same night by two white men in KKK robes. The Concord police closed the investigation claiming that Timothy Lee committed suicide, but the suicide note misspelled Timothy's name and the names of his family members, his brother and sister. Even though the strap used in the lynching didn't belong to Timmy, the coroner's office destroyed the evidence. This was no suicide. Timothy Lee was a successful fashion design student who had just won a fellowship to study in Milan, Italy. Timothy Lee's family went to the press to expose the Concord Police cover-up and also went to the NAACP 
The National Coalition Against Racist, Sexist, Anti-Gay Attacks, also known as CARSAGA, formed to protest this racist, anti-gay lynching. The coalition held two demonstrations, one in November and one in December, to expose the police cover-up. The coalition demanded a full, independent investigation controlled by workers, blacks, other people of color, and lesbians and gays. On January 3, 1986, the NAACP held a press conference calling for an FBI investigation of Timothy Lee's death. On January 7th, the FBI announced they had opened an investigation. Recently, eyewitnesses have reported that they heard screams in the area. The police will not protect us. They are covering up Timothy Lee's murder. It's important for black, gay, lesbian, immigrant, feminist, labor, leftist, Chicano, Latino, Arab American, Asian American, Native American, disabled, and all people who are targets of Klan and Nazi terror to organize together and defend ourselves, our organizations, and our communities. We must show the KKK and the Nazis that we will not be terrorized by their hatred and attacks. And that was the text on a protest flyer from 1986 talking about the lynching case of Timothy Charles Lee, my cousin. And again, I'm bringing you this information because this November 2nd will mark 36 years since my cousin Timothy's killing. Myself and some of my other cousins feel that this may be the last chance to hold people accountable for the killing of Timothy to honor Timothy's memory, and to bring new awareness to the case, we will be having a memorial walk through downtown Concord to the BART parking lot and the tree where Timmy was killed. Once there, we will hold a candlelight vigil and have some words for Timmy, and we will also call on the Contra Costa County District Attorney's Office and the California Attorney General Rob Bonta to reopen the case. This event will kick off at 4 p.m. at the Rainbow Community Center in Concord at 2380 Salvia Street. At 4.30, we will walk to the Concord BART Station South Parking Lot for the Candlelight Vigil. You can go to the KPFA Apprentice website, kpfaapprentice.org, and First Voice Media Facebook page just after the show tonight for the flyer with all the details. And to close out this segment, I'm going to play a short excerpt of an interview I did with my dad talking about my cousin Timmy. This is one of the things kind of hard for me to talk about, but I will tell you what I think I know and how I felt about it. Timmy was my sister's son. So he is my first nephew. He's a nephew. We noticed at a young age that he was different. Timothy was gay. Just really a, a neat kid. Uh, this happened back in the era when you find a young black man on BART. And I know from being around Timothy that he uh, 
would never incite anything bad or anything. He was just a nice guy to everybody. This to me was truly a, unfortunately, racist thing that happened because you're looking at a young black gay man by himself. And this was in an era when that was frowned upon. Unfortunately, we all suffered with the loss, my sister, all of us. And again, unfortunately, it was never solved. So we had to live with that. His brother passed away a few years ago. So that always brings back memories about them and his sister. So it's kind of hard for me to talk about it, but that's, that's how I feel about that. I, uh, well, how about this? Tell me about like when it happened at the time and they ruled it a suicide. Just tell me about how it felt to you that nothing ever really happened and how that left you and especially Tammy feeling to, uh, Timmy's sister, Tammy. Yeah, I was devastated. Uh, along with the family, uh, there was, he was a good kid. Things like that should never happen. I really felt for my nieces and nephews, meaning the brothers and sisters. And uh, yeah, it was bad. I, I, I don't, I don't talk about it too much, but yeah, it was bad. I, uh, God bless him wherever he is. And, and Tammy, our cousin who I knew more, who unfortunately, um, RIP Tammy, we lost Tammy a couple of years ago. She was really affected by it because she felt like, um, as far as I understand from the family story, that she felt like not enough was done and that people gave up. How did it affect Tammy um, in your eyes? Tammy and Timmy were very close and it affected her really bad because there was somebody that was like another extremity of hers. They were close. They did everything together. That's how it hurt her, that somebody that she loved so much and knew who and what he was to be gone like that and really she thought nothing was not enough was done to try and bring this to an end so people could get on with their lives but and I can understand her feeling that way but we did stay with it for the longest time as a family and checked in with the Concord PD and all the people that were investigating that, but we're talking years and years and years ago. And I have, I don't know what would happen if I even tried to bring it up now, but yeah, it's unfortunate. She just thought that uh, nothing was done. Not enough was done. And unfortunately she went to her grave feeling that way. Again, that was my dad, Frank Sterling Sr., talking about my cousin, Timothy Charles Lee, who was lynched at the Concord BART station in 1985, and it was ruled a suicide. And to honor Timmy, 36 years later this year, November 2nd, 2022, we will be walking to bring Timmy's name back to the public consciousness We'll be meeting at the Rainbow Community Center in Concord at 4 p.m. That's 2380 Salvia Street 
and we'll be walking to the Concord BART station from there. Go to the First Voice Media Facebook page or the kpfaapprentice.org website for more information. We got just a few minutes left in the show, so I'm going to go out with flip side. This is Someday. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight for links and information related to tonight's show. Shout out to Nomi Windmaker for the info on the bills, executive producer Miss M, and me, Freewell and Franklin. I have been your host tonight. Stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is Londa Bajita. Good night, everyone. Stop right now, this is too far. And I can't keep going, this is too hard. In the day, in the night, it's the same thing. On the field, on the block, it's the same game. On the real, if you stop, then there's no pain. But you can't feel pain, and there's no game. Rearranging your changes, it's all bad. And you try to maintain, but you fall back. And you call me and slip and slide down. Wanna make it to the top, it'll start now. So I hold my soul in a die hard. All alone in the night, in the graveyard. Someday, one day, I'm gonna be free. And they won't try to kill me for being me. Hey, someday.